0: What if your personal or business brand was so focused and so on target that it was easy for everyone in your organization to understand? What if you connected with your clients on an emotional level so deeply that they never forgot you? This is what the most successful brands in the world do. It's not about ad budgets. It's about developing a consistent brand, no matter the industry, location, or size of the company. Discover your brand and create an amazing, foolproof marketing strategy. This is the Brand Archetypes Podcast, hosted by Kevin Scarrett and Amy Zander, owners of BrandArchetypes.com. Join them on a journey to discover your most powerful, true brand. Welcome
1: back to the Brand Archetypes Podcast, everyone. This is Kevin Scarrett with Amy
2: Zander. Hi, Amy. Hi, Kevin. How are you? <laughs>
1: Wonder wind twin powers activate. What? <laughs> so, so I'm not. Uh, Amy, I'm not sure uh, if that animated kid show was in your world way back when. Do you remember the uh, Wonder Twin powers? The Wonder Wonder Twins?
2: Shape of a snowstorm. <laughs> yes, of yeah. course. I'm familiar with the Wonder Twins. Saturday morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, it being a twin, you know. That's it's it's a thing, you know. You gotta gotta. So w- people are probably wondering, what are these people talking about? Twins? And <laughs> oh, stuff. they're used to us so, being weird. <laughs> I know. So as usual, let's get to the thirty thousand foot view. Uh, we are are talking about combining two archetypes, and uh, if you're in the process of coming up with a brand strategy and you're considering archetypes, this is this is about half the time people encounter this idea where they go, you know. Maybe we should combine two of them together. So that's what we're doing. So let's take a look at that thirty thousand foot view, Amy. What do you got?
2: Okay, well, but I do so, have a question because you mentioned that you are a twin. I know you're lovely. Yes, I. I know, I know your lovely and, sister. Yeah. So, did you and her ever pretend to be Wonder Twins? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> uh, well, actually, and sadly, that that show was quite a bit after my cartoon watching days. You know, it was like late high school early college so the answer to your question is yes of course we did of course you did Oh. In fact, uh, now that this has been revived in my brain, and yeah, next time I visit her, I'm going to have to, like, you know, do the Wonder Twin right. <laughs> oh,
2: that's <awesome. laughs> She's
1: like, oh my God. It took th- 25 years to get rid of that. Right,
2: right. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're talking about combining two archetypes. And like you said, I mean, people ask us this all the time can you combine two? Often it's because. They are trying to decide between two different archetypes. They have strong feelings about two and they don't want to eliminate one. And uh, so, yeah, we have that conversation a lot. So some of the big ideas to make sure that we cover all of our bases in this concept of combining them are, one, it is possible to pair or combine archetypes, but you have to be careful Two, the energy level is a strong indicator if two archetypes can be paired, but it's not like 100%. Like there are, you know, you, you can do yeah. it with diff- varying energy levels and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And if you're wondering what the heck we're talking about uh, as far as energy levels of archetypes go, the last uh, the last couple episodes, well, last the last episode was an interview, but the two before that we talked about energy levels, high energy level- levels and low energy levels of archetypes so you can... Go back and listen to those if you want to refresh about that. So okay
1: and an energy level is almost always an issue,
2: regardless of what you're talking about sure. with archetypes. Yeah, here. or if not an issue, just something to absolutely consider. Um yeah, absolutely. yeah. Okay. And then three, there are a handful of pairs that are obvious, like just no-go combos that like just aren't gonna work, and we'll cover those. And four, um, of course we have like the prom king and queen, those popular pairs that everybody loves that we'll talk about.
1: Yeah, sounds like a good list. So, uh, let's get a couple of the caveats out of the way. <clears throat> let's let's say uh, you and your team have taken the free questionnaire at Brand Archetypes. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait! The questionnaire is free, Kevin.
1: Why? Why? Yes, it is, Amy. It is free. Like,
2: like free, free.
1: Yes, free, free. All right. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the plug. Yeah, it yeah, was very, very subtle. Shameless. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and and if you're at the point of selecting your archetype, you may have been drawn to the idea of combining two of them together. So, Amy, do you remember way back April or March even of 2020? Uh, that was like the first few days of the the, pan- the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, Kevin, it's just, all
2: such a blur. <laughs> right? I,
1: I know. it's It's been two years, but holy cow, what are two years. Right. So it of, of course we're going to forget about things from way back then. Right. Well, way back then, we did do an episode on how to select an archetype. And right in the middle of that is this whole discussion of if you might be thinking about two and, you know, what are the issues, you know, combining them or merging them or. You know, coming up with a, a new focus and all that stuff. So if you're in the middle of the pro- process, we highly recommend that you go back to that podcast and listen to it. Yep, and we'll put Lots the Lots of considerations. Back. We'll put the links yep. in our
2: show notes.
1: Yep, yep. Pros, cons, traps, pitfalls, benefits. Yes, there are things to consider if you're going to just try to mash two of these two together. Basically, before trying to combine two archetypes, you have to do your homework. you got to put a lot of thought and consideration into it. It's, it's not just something that you do willy-nilly. Right? Yeah. So, for example, uh, when picking two archetypes, there's there's a strong tendency to f- just flip-flop back and forth between the two. It's not something you plan on doing, It's but if you don't think about it and if you don't plan for it, it is going to happen to you. And what happens if you do that, if you flip-flop back and forth between two, you're really not focusing on either and you've pretty much diluted the value or you, the, the strength of your brand right from the get go. So it's a, it's it's a, it's it's worse than not doing anything at all.
2: Well, right, right. So, but yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about archetypes right. but I mean, if you're thinking about archetypes at all, you're probably ahead of the game of most of your competitors anyway. So yeah. True. So instead of flip-flopping, what we always tell people is that one has to be like the dominant archetype with um, an undertone of another. If you're going to use mm-hmm. two like that, or you have to mash them together to create a whole new archetype. So. Yep. Yeah.
1: Just don't flip flop. Right. Don't right. flip flop. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then yeah. you know we also talked about the energy levels. So it's it's rare that we find a super high energy archetype combined with a super low energy archetype, right? That would make people feel a bit Agreed. schizophrenic or something. So I mean, an example would be like an outlaw combined with an innocent, which are. Opposite energy levels and opposite ideas too, right? So right. That, that would just kind of, I think that would be just one of those no-go ones. Just don't even try it. Um, yep. I mean, it's not to say that it can't happen, but there's just this built-in conflict and you'll it'll constantly, you know, need to be addressed. And the whole point or one of the main points of brand using a brand archetypes is to make your marketing and your brand so much easier. So why throw in this monkey wrench that's just going to make that hard, right? Mm.
1: Yeah, agreed, and and I and I think that also that whole what you're pointing out is if people uh, find that there's this conflict after the fact, it's because they didn't put enough thought or uh, thinking into the process up front, and which is what we're really trying to do with this whole podcast is to get you to think about these these issues in the context of archetypes, because archetypes help you resolve all these issues, like this energy level issue. If, if you don't think about it in advance, and I've had this happen at least a half dozen times where uh, a, a organization, small company was drawn to a particular archetype, you know, like the neighbor is some, something that um, a lot of people are drawn to. Right. And then after they dive into it, after they've committed, they realize that it's a low energy archetype. And they're like, well, I don't know if this is right for us. Mm-hmm. It's just they just didn't put enough thinking into the energy issue up front. So right. let's 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 try to avoid that. So well,
2: what? Yeah, well, but another point. I just want to bring... sorry, I interrupted you. But another point no. is, you know, we talked to a nar last week about this. Um, she had a client who had had picked the neighbor and then got into it and thought it just wasn't dynamic enough. Probably an energy issue. And um, my point to her was. Well, I think they're just not leaning enough into that archetype. Like there are ways to, you know, really, really embrace what you're doing. And so if, if you get to the point, you've, you've picked an archetype and you're kind of like waning about your enthusiasm for it or whatever, you know, it's a huge undertaking to change your archetype. Believe me, I've done it. But the first step would be to be like, how can we lean more into this and do more with it? And then that might regenerate your enthusiasm for it.
1: Right. And leaning into it, some people say, "Well, aren't you changing it by doing something like that?" It's like, well, yes, but the, I kind, I'm kind of assuming that at this point we're talking about relatively new uh, organizations people people who are new to the architecture process, yeah, still so, building their brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah they mm-hmm. haven't they haven't built up a lot of equity yet. Right. And because they don't have a lot of equity, making a subtle change, like leaning into something or doing a subtle shift or adding a, a subtle undertone. Uh, things like that aren't going to kill you right right out of the shoot. Like if you if you were to switch from Jester one day or uh, Innocent one day, and you find it's too too low energy, and you switch to Jester the next day, people are going to look at you like you're bananas.
2: Right, so. like what are you, smile? right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So,
1: <laughs> Amy, what would be an example of two dramatically different archetypes that can be combined?
2: Well, I think that, like one of the ones that pops into my mind is is one of a, uh, the popular combos actually, which is the neighbor, which is middle of the road, lower energy combined with the jester, which yep. is like the highest energy level one. Um yep. yeah, and I think this this one works cuz it's less about low high energy combo and more about like playing fun with an easygoing nature, you know, so you can have that like yeah. fun neighbor. So you can be really really funny and wacky and still be easygoing make make people feel included being that ultimate host kind of thing so yeah um,
1: so while you're playing off the the fun versus easygoing you just have to be you have to realize that there is that whole underlying energy issue you don't right. want to you don't want to appear to be flip-flopping on that issue or going back and forth between two things there. Right. And
2: and like right. if you yeah. take all the archetypes and you think of them as like, okay, what's the the funny version of this? Then you can – it's easy to see how you could combine jester with a lot of these. But like one that doesn't work for that would be I don't think you would combine the ruler and the jester, right? Like that that's just totally polar opposites. Like the right. ruler is all, you know, all about being the best and – all you know that kind of thing and i i think that it would totally detract from the ruler if you threw in the jester with that right so
1: well so so let's see the the ruler of uh the ukraine right now is a former comedian that doesn't count (laughs) how's that going (laughs) how's that working for (laughs) yeah 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 not so good as of last night uh george george w bush was kind of a yuckster he was kind of a Comedic, comedic ruler.
2: <laughs> right, but should it work positively her. or negatively in your favor? Yeah. Don't answer. Don't yeah. answer. Just, yeah. you just make throw a, it a
1: out good there. point. <laughs> you make a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll agreed. So let's point out that there are combinations that would be super difficult to pull off yeah okay so because of what you've outlined uh let's let's see let's some let's go over some questionable combos so <laughs> how about combining and i'm just gonna say this one because just hearing it it sounds wrong you don't even have to analyze this one the lover and the mother Ew. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. No, now that. you instead of saying the lover, the mother you, it's passion and you know uh caring and you know loving care. Could you
2: be both, passionate right? about caring?
1: You could. And let's say that your motherly nature is more toward the doctor, right? Sure. The the, the doctor versus the, the actual mother, the sub archetypes, right? And your lover is passion, not sex. Sure. Okay. So it really depends on the nature of the sub archetype in this case. But you know, that's there are there are very few people who are going to go there. Right. Like like what you did, the outlaw and the innocent. That's another obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the the, exactly right. The jester and the guru. Now the guru is 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 almost as low energy as the innocent. But it has a completely different flavor. The innocent obviously is little kid, low energy. Uh, it's low energy in that it's it's not it's not Simple. bouncing around t- it's not t- it's right. It's, it's not, not, not a kid on you know, ten
2: bags of gummy bears
1: that's that's right. It's just <laughs> it's uh, a lack of chaos yeah, right? yeah but the guru is all about that whole knowledge and wisdom thing. it's it's like the guru sitting on top of a mountain, you know doing his mantra thing right. So that uh, have you seen the photo of Einstein sticking out his tongue? Yeah,
2: that, that's a great example of <laughs> yeah. like the jester guru right there, or the guru being a jester, I guess. Yeah,
1: exactly yeah. right. And it's it, and that's the jar that that photo is a perfect example of how jarring this concept is. So when you see that fun that photo, you know it's Einstein instantly, and you instantly are put into a place what that can't be, is that Photoshop? You know, there is this disconnect. There is this jarring disconnect the very first time you see that photo. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. But so, yeah, you could put some playfulness into a guru presentation, but it, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about the, you kind of implied it earlier on the hero and the innocent, you know, like a,
2: well, like, like a super baby. <laughs> Yeah, like a super <laughs>
1: – wasn't there a super baby, a diaper diaper baby or something, yeah. diaper boy? there's also yeah, a baby there's...
2: in The Incredibles, Jack-Jack, too. Jack-Jack, yeah. there you go.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. So maybe we could do The Innocent <laughs> and The Hero. Maybe, that, maybe that's a doable one. Right. But that – you know, the examples we just gave are cartoons, and there's a whole lot of humor thrown in there. And I think the humor stems from this disconnect. You don't think of babies and heroes in the same idea. Right. right? It is a definitely a disconnect. So, bottom line, really, with all of this, you have to consider whether there is built-in conflict with the two archetypes that that are being combined. It is not to say that that is a a, a killer or a, a that this, that's the end of the road for that idea. You just have to be super careful, yeah. super super careful, and, and, yep. and
2: know that you're just you're making it harder on yourself. <laughs>
1: on an ongoing basis it's not like it's going to pop up once and that's it right right? this is going to pop up all the time for you
2: right right all right so we talked about ones that don't work let's talk about ones that do work super popular combos so uh the first one that we've already pointed out um and it belongs to a larger group archetype combined with the neighbor which is the neighbor jester very popular um yep
1: and yeah and i and i think that this idea of uh, taking one and combining it with others—that's a good approach. So let's let's go ahead and do it that, that way. So, you're, what you're saying is that the neighbor can be combined with just about anything. But your your example is the jester here, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the easygoing nature of the neighbor archetype—you know—it just draws business owners to it. You know, just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I mean, the the, lar- the biggest complaint that we often hear about the neighbor, which you touched upon earlier, is that it's it's it, it is subdued, and people think, well, maybe this doesn't have enough energy for me, maybe man, but I want to do a little bit more with it, and, and you can't, you can't, so yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and, and I, yeah, I'd agree with that. In, in fact, looking at the list of archetypes, I think the only ones that I've never seen combined with a neighbor, uh, the ruler, I can't
2: remember yeah, that's, anyone ever
1: being a ruler neighbor. Right, that's a tough one. Right. The outlaw neighbor would be hard. I, you know, I mean, I, could, I definitely I, I live that.
2: next to some outlaws in my earlier years, but I wouldn't have considered them an archetype. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's another way of thinking. Remember, we are we saying find a focus, right? Right. Well, finding a focus is after you've decided to try to combine these two. Let's kind of reverse that. Let's combine the two and see if we can find the focus, even though we're not actually trying. We're not an actual company trying this. First thing that pops into my mind, if you think about uh, the OK Corral, the story of the OK Corral and Wyatt Earp and his his brother Virgil, those guys were just local guys. They were, you know, yeah, they became the, the local law, but they they were just kind of average, average Joes and... Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they were there was definitely some outlaw stuff going around, hanging out with uh, Doc Holliday. And there was a lot of a lot of bad stuff going on there. So I could I could actually see people successfully combining uh, those two. The uh, the, neighbor and, know, the, the out, neighbor and the outlaw? The neighbor and the outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see. that. Yeah. The neighbor so, is super
2: what. flexible. So a lot you can do there with that one.
1: So yeah, let's let's move on to another example, very similar to the the uh, the neighbor being combined with just about any other archetype. Uh, I would say maybe even more so than the neighbor, the magician gets combined with others. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, instead of being a, a, a focus, uh, the concept of changing people's lives magically, it can be kind of a conceptual layer within the overall plan of your your brand strategy mm-hmm. as opposed to being the whole main focus, right? So uh, what happens is when you start combining, the whole archetype itself is not standing on its own. So you you kind of – it's kind of like cooking, right? If I were to just, you know, put a big hunk of meat in a pot and, and braise it and cook it, it's going to it taste like meat. But when you make a stew, it's, it's not – just the fact that you added a carrot or a potato or you know some some other ingredients—it's—it's it's how they all combine, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with these archetypes. When you come combine them together, you get unexpected, really interesting results. But you also get with that unexpectedness, you get some strange things that you have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So a common combo. Let's—if we're gonna combine the magician. I would say probably the most common would be the magician and the hero. Yeah. I don't know. What do you you think of that? That a lot of people do that? Because a lot of people are drawn to the hero, and a lot of people are drawn to to the magician. And if you just so happen to get both of them in the same discussion, you almost can't stop that group from trying to combine them together. They, They always try. Same. I think the same thing happens with the guru and the magician, right. people using their knowledge and trying to change people's lives. Yeah,
2: I have a, a client who is very successfully doing that. She is a functional medicine doctor, holistic medicine doctor and a, and a chiropractor, but she is also like a total nerd when it comes to statistics and digging into test results and blood work and finding the right you know supplement and all this other kind of stuff and so we've done um a great job marketing her with that and we've kind of taken this like um you know that that where's carmen san diego kind of twist with her that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we use with her like where's dr mac uh kind of thing and it's been very successful for her
1: yeah, and it's real obvious, you know, doing all the the medical and the nutrition mm-hmm. stuff. That's that's the science side, and you're only doing it to change people's right, lives, right? Really. Right? Yeah. Okay. All what right. Else do we so,
2: have? I think one one last example where one archetype can be combined with lots of others is. Is the mother? You know, the mother brings a sense yeah. of caring and high-touch customer service to a lot of things. I mean, we already <clears throat> talked about where you might not want to do it with the lover, but um, but all the other ones. I mean, I I, I think that, that that you can make a case for those. And and again, the yep. mother is a very popular archetype,
1: right? That just it's the idea of serving others right. that people are drawn to. I uh, people who are service people versus per- people who are very knowledgeable. People versus people who are just easy to work with they're they're naturally drawn to the obvious archetype and once a person has this in them then they start to explore the nuances of the other archetypes and they want to combine the two mm-hmm. that that's why they get drawn that way they cannot escape the mother but they're drawn to these others as well right. so let's let's just combine the two so really what it comes down to is any two archetypes can be combined let me say that again any two archetypes can be combined, but, and there's the big but, some feel off. You should tr- probably avoid them. If you can't, you just have to go into that process eyes wide open. Know that there are going to be issues that you have to deal with on a regular basis. There are going to be some big issues that you have to tend, with, tend to up front, um, but any two can be combined. And, you know, some fit like a hand in a glove. And a lot of organizations are drawn to them. But regardless of the difficulty that you may find in combining any two, you just need to be fully aware of how those ideas get combined so you don't revert to that huge mistake of flip-flopping.
2: Yep. Right? Yeah. Good wrap. up.
1: Yay. So, yeah, why don't you give us a formal wrap up and we've got some mayhem.
2: Yeah, mayhem. Okay. So if you're considering combining two archetypes, you most definitely will face some challenges. And these particular challenges will surely cause you to have some questions. So (laughs) So feel free to contact us. Go to brandarchetypes.com, find all of our contact information there, take the quiz, all that good stuff. You can find us on the social media, at Brand Archetypes. And uh, we will have the links to all the different episodes and things that we referenced when we were talking about this. So, all right, ready for some mayhem? Time
1: for some marketing mayhem. Yes.
2: Oh. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to describe this ad without – Telling the listeners actually what the product is yet because it's just so freaking bizarre. Oh, so this
1: yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's going to take the whole. I don't even know if people are going to get it. Let's let's see. Okay, how it goes. so it yeah.
2: it's a it's a looks like a newspaper ad. It was printed in a newspaper. It's just black and white, and uh, there's a picture of a woman at the top, and she's sitting in a chair, and she's looking <laughs> she's looking forlornly at a telephone. That's sitting next yeah. to her. She's got a book in her lap. She looks very <laughs> sad, or like hands on her cheek, and um, the and there's, bold
1: you know, copy. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, and there's a lot of copy. Like the picture oh, is yeah. just like a third, and then there's like there's all this copy in this ad. So, yeah, it's like
1: two paragraphs yeah, long. Yeah. Oh, no, again, again, knowing this is an old ad, you just don't see ads constructed like this. No, and that's what, like advertorials
2: right. or whatever they call them. But yeah,
1: right. well, and the the big bold copy at the top was. She was a one date girl. Now, <laughs> a
2: one date girl.
1: Okay. Well, now, I don't know about you, Amy, but I try to avoid using titles in copy that put a person into a really bad place. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
2: It just, it's like we're already off to a bad start here. Okay. We, we are. Date,
1: so right. one date girl. Wow, that's so sad. And if, if it, it's either so sad or really depressing, if you are actually a one date girl, right? right. Okay. So there are several paragraphs of copy right after that, including, uh, I'm just going to read some of the choice tidbits here. <clears throat>
2: <laughs> Don't laugh. You got to do it without laughing.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, here it goes. They thought she was dull, where really she was constantly tired. She had a good figure, a naturally lovely skin, but pimples marred its surface.
2: <laughs> pimples marred its surface. God, I hate that yeah. sentence.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now what are you thinking? This, this, this has got to be skincare, right? Oh, wrong. Eh. Wrong. It's not
2: skincare. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. So let me keep reading. Her eyes lacked the liveliness of a girl in good health. So night after night, she just sat by the phone waiting for calls that didn't come in.
2: Oh, my God. Like, so Uh, I I mean, I wish like on this podcast, like it was like radio so we could have like callers call in and like guess what they think this ad is about so far (laughs) when we're reading it. Um, Okay, but I want to read the next line because I'm pretty sure that this is this is a top. This is not a topic you should bring up on a first date. Okay, so next Uh line. She might have been such a different girl if she had only known about the importance of regular habits and the harm that common constipation can do. Oh, okay, all
1: right. So <laughs> okay, go. now see, here's the problem. She has common constipation, common. as opposed to the the more more aggressive consti- or,
2: or, or, constipation or or rare,
1: yeah, the rare, yeah, right.
2: or unique, um, unique constipation.
1: <laughs> okay, so we've gone from dating to skin care, and now constipation.
2: <laughs> what so, is this ad about? You, oh
1: what is it about? Okay. All right. You got to tell us. Yeah.
2: Tell us. Okay. You're going to be shocked. It's Kellogg's all-brand cereal. Food. It's food. Hmm. Oh.
0: Hmm.
2: Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so on the surface, this makes no sense, right? I mean, Kellogg. okay, sure, brand, when well, it keeps you regular blah, blah, blah. That's that's okay, fine. But if, if you know any history of the Kellogg Company and John Kellogg, then you know mm-hmm. that he was obsessed, obsessed with health. And he gave himself numerous enemas every day.
1: Oh, rich people flocked to the resort. Yeah, to he had sanatorium yeah, thing that he created is, yeah, in Battle Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and yeah, just for yeah, our the listeners, whole- like... You yeah. know, I'm in Lansing, which is like a stone's throw away from Battle Critique, and Kevin lived here, too. So, like, we have all this Kellogg lore here, right? So, Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mich- Michigan is is the the hub of the breakfast cereal. It really is the breakfast cereal capital yeah. of the world. I know. And really, truly the world. I know. It, my and-
2: My husband grew up in Marshall, which is literally next door to to uh, Kalamazoo or to Bright or a store to Battle Creek. And every year, every year when he, in in grade school, they would go to the Kellogg company for a a field trip and get like this little box of Kellogg's cornflakes. Like every year he did that.
0: But, um,
2: yeah, but I mean, as a side note, if you want more info on this absurd company, Kellogg, and the family, there is a Drunk History episode on there. If you've ever seen oh. Drunk History on Netflix, oh. it's really funny. It, it shows, like, the whole sanatorium and the calisthenics mm-hmm. he made people do and all the stuff. And, like, his, he had a very, um, like, uh, he, he did not have a good relationship with his brother. And they ran the company together. So that was really interesting. Right. And then. Um,
1: well, didn't he, isn't the brother the one who uh, splintered off and started post-
2: Ah, uh, you know, I don't remember. it could yeah. be. It could be. yeah, yeah
1: I think there's, there was there, you know there, there's the uh, the drunk history episode, but there's another documentary on the whole history of breakfast cereals. okay, which is really fascinating because it includes like Nabisco in New York and okay. and it really it really is a fascinating part of history. Now we, here we are talking about this one ad on, in marketing mayhem. but think about this, if you're old enough like me, uh 19 you know, I grew up in the sixties. Uh if you if you're if you have any connection to before that, like our parents, you know, World right. War II, pre-World War II, what did people eat for breakfast in nineteen thirty? Like oatmeal? I don't know.
2: It, eggs, it and cereal, right. eggs and bacon. It right, wasn't breakfast yeah, cereal. Eggs and bacon. Yeah. It
1: was it was way more meal-like. And now here it is, one generation later, I'll call it two generations later, people can't They can't. Yeah, they can think of eggs and bacon, but like, what about like sausage and potatoes and you know uh, know, some kind of casserole or something? People ate that all the time because it was food. Yeah. Do you do you eat cereal? I don't eat
2: cereal. I don't
1: eat it. I eat. I I still am a Life cereal fan. Oh, Life. Yeah. We don't eat cereal in my house. We
2: used to when the kids were little, but we all just I don't know, just don't we don't eat it. But anyway, okay. But the best I think the best source to get crazy information about this family is the So Dead podcast, which is one of my favorites. It's hosted by Jen Carpenter from right here in Lansing, and she does mm-hmm. an entire series, and she also wrote a book on, oh. on the Kellogg family, and um, ah. a surprising little tidbit, there were a lot of fires that happened in that family, different things that burned down in the Kellogg family. Really it, weird. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Different buildings. Yeah, different it buildings. was- It was just very, it, very suspicious.
1: Yeah, so it, the, that doesn't surprise me one bit, considering the whole sanatorium and the the craziness. Right. But also the competition. Sure. There was an right after they started succeeding, there was an explosion. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies, not hundreds of products like we see now. I mean, when you go to the cereal aisle at the grocery store, yeah, you know, it's it's General the entire Mills, Kellogg, aisle. Kellogg, yeah. Post. Yeah. yeah like there's not there's yeah. a handful. Right, and what what was happening back then is you you had the hundreds of companies, but every single one of them was trying to come up with a new shtick, a new gimmick, a new you know puff the wheat, or flatten it, or smash it, sugar or coat it, sugar coat with it, chocolate on do,
2: it,
1: <laughs> yeah, make it shape like a biscuit, make it you know shape like a dog, you know, there are so many things that they tried to try to get. Their, their marketing to have legs but there was so much competition back then anyway we could talk about that kind of stuff all day long <laughs> yeah. let's just let's agree that this was a miss
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah just I can't connect the, the girl sitting by the phone to the brand I just I just, yes. just yeah can't do it yeah
1: yeah <laughs> okay well on that note uh, not regular note I'll say uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move let's let's get things moving oh my god <laughs> um. So good, so good, so bad. And plan on talking to you next week. All right, so good. Bye. Okay, bye.
0: You've been listening to the Brand Archetypes podcast. Are you ready to discover your company's archetype? Check out brandarchetypes.com where you can download the book, find out about archetype-specific strategies, connect with us on social media, and sign up for our newsletter.